0: Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. If you could, uh, please uh, pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this uh, beautiful Lord's Day that uh, we've been able to come together and to worship your Son, Jesus Father. We ask you that you open our minds, you open our hearts, and that you be with Josh this morning as he... uh, Uh, shares from your word that um, you help him recall your will your word accurately and that uh, it would work in our lives father we we thank you for giving us your word we thank you for giving us your son and we ask you father to work in our lives and help us to be more christ-like we thank you for your son jesus and his sacrifice it's in jesus name we pray amen Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both in will and in work, for his good pleasure. Good morning.
1: It was a little louder than I expected it to be. (laughs) Let's see. Oh, you know what? Thanks. (laughs) You know, I'm I'm glad I messed up now. You know, I got got that out of the way before you know I messed up something else in the middle of the sermon. (laughs) Thanks, Dad. Well, good morning. Welcome to everybody. Welcome to our visitors. Um. He already said it once, but I am not the usual preacher here, obviously. Um, I was the the bald head over there that was giving us communion. (laughs) But um, just uh, take a second, Steve, Linda, Gibson, you guys have been great blessing to the church here. Um, You know, just just from a, a young man that I get to listen, you know, obviously every Sunday, Wednesday I'm here, you know, coming out of quarantine, they have been, I mean, it may just be me, but they have been extremely instrumental in everything that's going on here. I've been encouraged by every Wednesday, every Sunday. So, um, you know, let's not, let's not take them for granted. You guys are doing great things. So, so thank you. With that said, uh, this morning, the uh, title of our lesson is Real People, or Learning to Be Genuine, more specifically. And uh, as a church right now, as I said, Steve's given a lot, of, a lot of great information. He's given a lot of lessons to us. And we're in a point right now. You know, thank God that we're we're in a point right now when we are experiencing a lot of growth, right? As as a church, as people, as individuals, as individuals, we're we're experiencing a lot of growth right now as a church. We're being challenged a lot by by sermons, by by the stuff that happens on Wednesdays, by the, by the classes, right? I feel like we're all being challenged mentally um, and spiritually. So, I guess my lesson this morning is encouraging us to continue that process, encouraging us to to become more genuine, encouraging us to to grow a little bit more. So that's what we're gonna talk about. Now, uh, we've got three main points this morning, and we're talking about learning to be genuine, learning to be real with one another, and a mistake that we make often whenever we're trying to be genuine is that we make the mistake that we try to be really genuine and honest with the people around us, right? And, that, uh, and that's not a mistake. I, I should clear that up. That's not a mistake, right? But the mistake we make is that th- that's the first thing we try to do. When we miss two crucial steps and then it makes it really, really, really difficult for us to truly be genuine with other people. So first, oh, this one's still working good. First, <laughs> got to be learn to be genuine with ourselves. Right, because we, we always try to be genuine with other people and it just and it seems so, so fake sometimes, right? So first we learn how to be genuine with ourselves, then we learn how to be genuine with God and then it's easier for us to reach out and be genuine with others. So that's what we're going to be talking about. First, uh, here's your first scripture. I, I believe this is one we read, Philippians chapter 3, 17 through 21. Now uh, before, before I read that, I want to share with you a story. So, most of you know that I am—I uh, I really enjoy like, like acrobatics. I—I I, I jump on the trampoline a lot, right? You know, I'll do backflips, front flips, whatever. So I had this this really good idea once. It really, in theory, it was a great idea. I had this idea that I was going to do a double backflip. Now, again, in theory, it really seems like a good idea. You know, it seems like something you should be able to do. I've seen hundreds of guys do it on YouTube, on social media, right? It looks easy, right? Easy, easy as can be. So I go in and I'm talking to my mom I'm like, you know what, I really think I ought to try that double backflip. I really think it's a good idea and I'm, I'm, I'm psyching myself up, you know what I mean, I'm really getting into it. And she looks at me and she's like, eh, maybe that isn't such a good idea. Right? Maybe you shouldn't be trying that just yet and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, nah, nah, nah. I'm going to go ahead and try it. So you know what, I go out there infused with confidence and I'm bouncing on this trampoline as high as I can get. So I just go ahead and do it. Didn't think, didn't think any more about it, I just go ahead and do it, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm jumping up at the peak of my jump, and I'm, and I'm tucked as hard as I can, right? I, you want to get that full spin. So I'm up in the air, and I, I get one backflip in, right? And this is the point when I was, had the most confidence in what I was about to do, right? I'm up in the air on one backflip through, and I'm, like, thinking to myself, you know, I think I'm going to land this. <laughs> this is going to be great. This is going to be so cool. First try, it's going to be great. So as I, as, I, as I have that thought, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm really going to do this. So I just sell out to it. Right? I hug my knees in a tight ball, and I lean my head back, and I'm just ready to go for it. Right, And at this point, I'm on the way down. Right, I'm, <laughs> I, am, I am going down this way, but I'm mid-flip. Right, And as I get closer to the trampoline, my confidence starts to, starts to drift a little bit. <laughs> so I'm getting closer and closer, and as the trampoline's right here in front of my face, I realize, man, I'm not going to get it. <laughs> and I tell you what. I smacked that trampoline so hard, my knees hit me in the face and I was just lying there on the trampoline all in a little ball, in pain, you know? I'm like, oh man, that was terrible. The reason why I start you out with that story, you know, is that if I would have only taken a second to take a look at myself, if I would have only taken, it would have only taken 30 seconds for me to just take a look in the mirror and say, can you do this? Can you actually do this? The answer would have been no, and I wouldn't have tried it. I would have saved myself some pain. I would have saved myself some embarrassment. I would have saved myself a really terrible video that continues to circle around of me landing on my head. <laughs> so that's where we're starting this morning. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tie that into this verse, Philippians chapter 3, 17-21. Brethren, join in following my example, and note those who so walk, as you have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, in which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself." Excuse me. You know, just to start out, what a, what a beautiful thought that, that we have our citizenship in heaven, right? That, that no matter what things go on down here, it, it's such a comforting thought that, that we are citizens of heaven right now, right? But in, in verse 17, he's, this is Paul talking, obviously, and he's saying, you know, join in following my example. Note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. He's saying, follow my lead. Follow the people around you that are, that, are, that are walking with Christ, right? Follow those people. And then 18, it, it kind of takes a, a weird turn. I mean, if you read it, right, 17 is, to, you know, brethren, join in following my example. That seems a bit encouraging, right? He's saying, follow my lead. Follow the people that are doing it right, that are walking. But then he's saying, for many walk, but I tell you weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Isn't that weird to anybody else? That he's saying... Follow these people, but also there are a bunch of people who are walking, but are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Isn't that odd? So, verse 19, it starts talking about what exactly these people are doing, right? Why is it that these people are walking, but they seem to be the enemies of the cross of Christ? Verse 19 says that whose end is destruction, whose God is rebellion, whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind... Unearthly things. So, church, something we need to take away from this is that the farthest we can get from God, the enemy of the cross of Christ, that doesn't sound pleasant. The enemy of the cross of Christ is whenever we walk. Whenever we walk, but our mind is on earthly things. I know that sounds like a little bit of a bunny trail from my main topic, but it's really not. Because if we would only sit down, and, and take a look at ourselves and think, what is my mind set on right now? What am I thinking about constantly? What are my goals surrounded around? Then we'd realize that sometimes we're just like these people. We are walking, but it seems nowhere to. You know, uh, the world right now has has a lot of answers for a lot of the questions we have, right? You have, you have motivational speakers, you have, you have podcasts and motivational podcasts, you have self-help books, right? And they will all teach you this, this concept and in almost everything you hear and that side of things, they will teach you this concept that we have to, quote unquote, take responsibility for your life. You, know, you, have to, you have to take responsibility for your circumstance and it's so funny to me that the world preaches these ideas but that was in the Bible years ago. That we teach these ideas, and it's so true that even the world understands that in order to fix something, we first have to realize that something is broken. In order to change our lives and to grow into being more like Christ, we first have to take a look at ourselves and realize that we're pretty messed up. And you know what? God said that first. And this was the verse that I had you read. Philippians 2, 12 through 13, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Now, when I first read these two verses, the two verses in Philippians, it seemed like they were almost clashing to me. right? Because Paul was saying, follow these people. You know, You, you have us for a pattern. He's saying, follow those of us that are doing it right. But now he's saying, work out your own salvation? Well, church, we can have examples in our lives. We can have people that are a pattern in our lives. Many of you have been a pattern for me to model my life afterwards. But that doesn't mean that you automatically become Christ to me. I still have the responsibility. You still have the responsibility to work out your own salvation with Christ. So, what does that look like, whenever we are working on our own salvation? For starters, we have to remove our pride, right? We have to remove those things that keep us from seeing ourselves as we actually are. That's that's where we start. And then, like we've talked about, we spend time examining ourselves. We spend time thinking about what are we good at, what are our strengths? And what are, what are the things we're bad at? And after we do that, then we can start being real with God. Then we can start being genuine with God. And so often we try to skip the first step. We try to go right to God and say, hey, "Here, here's everything, and yes, we're supposed to bring everything to God, but let's let's spend some time truly examining ourselves, and then we bring to God specifically what we need. You know this guy. Now, you all know the story, right? You know, he's, he's a prophet, and God comes to him out of the blue and says, okay, I want you to go to Nineveh. And verse, I believe it's, yeah, I actually have it up here. Chapter 1, verse 3, it says he fleed the Lord's presence because he was afraid, right? He flees the Lord's presence. He's running from the Lord. So he, he gets on the ship, right, and then the storm comes and they throw him off the ship and then he gets eaten by the big fish and he's in there for a while and then it spits him back out on land, right, and then finally God comes to him again and he says, what? Go back to Nineveh, right? Go do what I told you to do in the first place. Now, church, this brings up a point is that we have trouble facing God. We flee from the Lord's presence simply whenever we're disobedient. Simply whenever we don't want to do what God wants us to do. I mean, I, I know I'm not the only one that's ever felt like I'm talking to the roof. Haven't you ever felt like that? When it's, like, it's like your prayers are, are not heard at all, right? It feels like there's no connection sometimes. Well, I'll tell you, maybe it's just downright because we're disobedient. Because that's, that's a far place we can be from God. And I can tell you, one of the most sinful, dark parts of my life, it was when I, when, when I felt like God wasn't hearing me at all, when I felt like my prayers were just going to the ceiling, right, was when I was just disobedient and I had things I didn't want to give up. right? So we, at times, if you're anything like me, it's like I start blaming God for all this stuff. Right? I start blaming God because he's not hearing my prayers, when in reality, it's just because I don't want to listen to what he has to say. Isn't that verse in James, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin? Church, if we know what we should be doing, if we know where God is directing us, then let's just do it. That's where we start. That's how we start being genuine with God, is when we truly just put our own agendas out of the way and start just listening. Luke chapter 18, 9 through 14, says this. Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, and a Pharisee and the other a tax collector, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I possess, and the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So when we spend that time examining ourselves, if we do it humbly, then we're going to come to one conclusion, and that's that we need a Savior. That, that we'll come to the conclusion that maybe, just maybe, we are blind in need of a guide, or that we're sheep in need of a shepherd. You know what? If we're not genuine with God, you think he knows? You think God can see past our arrogance? Think about the, think about the Pharisee for a second. Just just think about it. He's talking to God like he's telling God all of these things that he's doing. God, I thank you that I'm not like this guy. I thank you that I'm not like this guy over here who's such a bad guy because I'm so much better than that guy. God, I thank you that I'm not like this guy, and especially I thank you that I'm not like this tax collector right here who's such a sinner. Lord, I give tithes. I do all of these things for you. He's almost saying, God, I deserve your deliverance. God, I deserve your forgiveness. And quite honestly, we can be like that sometimes. Now on the flip side, look at the tax collector. He wouldn't even look up to heaven and he he beat his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Man, what a a difference that is. The difference between telling God, God, I've done all these things for you. God, I'm such a good person and God, I need you. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Church, we can't convince God of anything. We can't trick God into saving us. The tax collector of all people, someone who was hated by the Jews, absolutely hated, he knew that. He humbly went before God and asked for forgiveness Be merciful to me, a sinner. You know, sometimes we can live by the, uh, by the what I like to call the vending machine principle, right? We uh, we tend to pray when we need something, right? We, we it's it's like it's like our relationship with God is only existent whenever we really really need something from Him, right? We read our Bibles when we're in a pinch, or or we or we really take notes and pay attention to the sermons whenever things are going really terrible. And that may just be me, but I feel like I'm not alone in that. Church, let's be genuine with God. In good times, in bad times, in all times, let's be genuine with God. And that starts with being genuine with ourselves, because quite honestly, he knows when we're not real with him. He sees it anyways. After those two things, after we are first genuine with ourselves, we truly examine ourselves, and then number two, after that, we're genuine with God, then we can move on to being real with others. We can move on to being genuine with others. Matthew five thirteen through 16 says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Church, we are called to be salt of the earth, the light of the world. We're called to be salt as in we, make the world around us taste a little better. I don't want to offend anybody, but if you can't eat salt, I'm sorry. But food without salt is kind of gross. I mean, even, even down to some things we bake that you would never think salt would be in. Salt is in to make it taste so much better, and without it, it tastes gross. It does. Church, we're called to be that salt, to make the things around us taste a little better, to make the world seem a little brighter. You know, and if you're anything like me, I tend to put on, put on the church face, right? On Sundays, Wednesdays, I tend to put on that... Right, and you, you come into church and you say... You, you say, oh, good morning. They say good morning. You say, How are you? What are they gonna say? Good. Right? They say, How are you? Good. No matter how bad your week was, right? I could have had the worst week in the world. But if someone at, from church asks me, how was your week? I'm gonna say, Good. That's just how we are, right? And I'm not saying, you know, someone asks you how you're good, you I'm I'm not saying, man, my week was really terrible. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not advocating, you know, that. But what I am saying is that we have to be able to share these things with one another. You know, There is no one I would rather share it with if I'm struggling with something. Whether it be a sin, whether it be hurt, whether it be whatever it is, there is no one we should rather share those things with than each other. And because we are all trying to be perfect, You know, that's our goal, right? As Christians, we're told to be like Christ. We want to be like Christ. We want to be perfect. Whenever we are genuinely struggling with something, sometimes we're afraid to to bring it to people. I can tell you, Jason Rainsberger gave a lesson one time about pride. He he, He gave a lesson, and every word in that lesson spoke to me. I felt like he was talking to me and I'm sitting there in that pew, and I knew 100% that I was in the wrong. I knew 100% that his lesson was speaking to me and that I needed to repent, right? But do you think I went forward? No. Why? Because I was so concerned what people would think about me, right? I was so concerned with the image that I was putting off because I wanted to be perfect. We all want to be perfect. But I tell you that Church, let's start sharing things with each other. Because you know what, if I share something with you, you're more prone to share something with me and vice versa. You know what, if, quite honestly, if I have a problem with with sharing with you, then that goes back to the root. That means I'm not genuine with myself. Right, if I have a problem with sharing things with you, then that means I haven't fully realized that maybe I'm not so perfect anymore, right? Or maybe I haven't gone to God and said, God, I'm sorry for this. Be merciful to me. And if I do those things, then I can bring it to you. And you know what? It's so much easier at that point. So I guess in closing, if you want to be like Christ, it's time to let our guards down, church. I encourage you to, to spend some time alone Examine yourself. Spend some time. Figure out what you're good at, what you're bad at, the things you struggle with, and then bring them to God. And then after that, we can share them with one another. Man, what an encouraging thing it would be if every one of us had an encouragement for everyone else. Imagine how lifted up we would be. And and I guess one final point I have for you is that a lot of times we... The, 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 the topic of, of people falling away from the church is, is a really sore subject, right? I mean, we think about it and it just hurts because you feel, like, you feel like you could have done more, you feel like you could have reached out to that person, whatever it is, it's just a sore subject, right? But church, I'm here to tell you, it's time for us to start taking a little bit of the blame. Yes, like I said earlier, We have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. But maybe we could have created an environment of maybe not so perfect people, just people. That people can relate to, that people can get close to, that people can understand. Because that's what the church is. That's what a family is all about. And I want to leave you with this verse John chapter 13, 33 through 35. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. And so now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. With that said, church, it's customary that we offer an invitation. If you need to get baptized, there is no better time than than right now to do that. Don't wait. You can be put in the waters, of them, and have your sins forgiven. Or if you just need the prayers of the family that we have here, if you just need the prayers or you need anything at all, come forward as we stand and sing.